Listen, so as I was saying, um, just got back from Sestock in Dublin, had a great time. Um, couldn't have had a better time in Dublin. Uh, Sestock was really interesting. Um, just wanted to take a few minutes before we introduce our guest. Our guest today is Maxence Pendevoin from Winning by Design, and uh, going to have a really interesting conversation with him. I've been looking forward to this conversation, and I think it's more pertinent than ever. Um, so uh, what I want to just talk about really quickly uh, before I get going here is um, a little bit of my experience at SAS Talks. So one thing it's clear is that these events are so important, getting together to meet people, um, just just unique opportunities. The other thing is that there was a lot of activity at the show. I didn't really see any slowdown from what I had seen previously at other shows. So it was very impressive. Um, third thing was, is that uh, there's, we, we do see there's a little bit of shift in mentality. Profitability, uh, sustainable growth is more important than ever. And that's great because that ties into what we're talking about. Uh, what we're going to be talking about with Max Hans Pandavon today. Um, so it was a really interesting uh, time there. I think the other thing too was um, was that it was very interesting to um, just see where the market was at in general. And then with that, this morning, I uh, got up and the first thing I saw in the news was this report on European SaaS funding down. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about that because when you when you first read this, um, it's kind of a negative number. So down 42%, 42% is a big number, of course. Um, so we're kind of like, oh, wow, 42%. And, um, but we need, to, we need to look about what this really means. Um, so just really quickly, um, we see that there's less money. Okay, so it's called out here in the chart. That's fine. Um, interestingly enough, one of my predictions was that there would be more early round financing. So we can see that there's more seed round and more series A. So I don't necessarily think that it's, it's a bad time to start a company at all or to, to work on an early company. Uh, unicorns are down. Uh, okay, but unicorns aren't the only size. That's late round thing, and that's really where the big investor payoff there is. Is there? That doesn't necessarily mean the health of the ecosystem is taking a big dent. Um, I think the final thing is that what has changed in the marketplace is, and what I really saw, one of the themes I really saw is that investors are doing more due diligence than ever, and especially on the financial side. You know, they've always looked closely at who your company is composed of, who the leaders are, but the founders, uh, but the financials are increasingly important. Um, and I think, I think that goes into, goes back to how do you create great sustainable growth? And that leads a little bit to our conversation with today with uh, Winning by Design. So Winning by Design uh, also has a blog. They run uh, another website where they provide a lot of open source content on how to build a great reoccurring revenue business model. So the website is called The Science of Revenue. Um, a lot of these ideas are taken from some of the best thinkers throughout the industry. Um, and so really recommend that you take a look at their their website. And they also have um, 
they also have on their actual website, they have some really interesting content as well about these same things. And so one of the reasons why I thought it was important to have Winning by Design on is last year I was speaking to them and they introduced me to the concept, the concept of the bow tie uh, funnel. And I had never heard of that and I thought it made amazing sense at the time and I think it even makes more sense now. Um, so with that, uh, hold on here. Uh, make sure, make sure that my, uh, my guest, I can bring him in here for some reason. Looks a little funny. Doesn't want to let me bring him in here. Hold on one second. Oh, that looks better. Okay, and with that, I want to bring in my guest. Um, thank you for your patience, Max. We're we're still we're getting our getting our our uh, I don't know how we could say that. Getting our feet wet still. I'm not I'm not exactly sure that. Um, Welcome to the show, Max. Very good. Uh, let me make sure. Let me make sure your audio is on. Okay, let's try that. Welcome to the show one more time. I haven't. Hi, I've, Steve. Good. Super happy to be here. Great. And and where are you at today? I'm uh, I'm still in Dublin. I've uh, just done uh, the SaaS Talk conference uh, as you did, and I'm staying uh, one more day to enjoy the great weather and to catch up with friends because I was a Dubliner for a few years. Okay. And you say great weather. Are you making a joke? Is the weather actually very nice in Dublin? Actually, no. Yes, it is. It I mean, is. Weather in Ireland is uh, sunshine multiple times a day. So yes, by yeah. definition, it will be uh, sunny at one stage in the day. If you don't like <laughs> the weather, just wait 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> great. Well, listen, uh, very good. And um, uh, so what was your experience? What was your, what was your takeaway at the SAS talk? What did you see? What I saw was mainly great uh, human to human connection. I think that's the that's really the the the, the takeaway. People are craving for those industry events, uh, B2B Rocks uh, uh, and uh, and SaaS Talk. Uh, all those conferences are back in full shape, and people are really wanting to um, to meet in person. The serendipity of of uh, of, uh, of uh, instant conversations. Of uh, of uh, you know uh, the impromptu uh, deeper uh, talks and uh, and just catching up with uh, with uh, with your industry friends that's really important. Yeah, I think I always find it kind of rather ironic that in an industry that we're we're really data driven industry increasingly, but it still comes back to human contact and human relationships and and uh, you know we decide what we're going to buy sometimes just for gut gut feeling it goes back to gut instinct. Um, we, I, I mentioned the report earlier that investment was down 42%. Um, you have a different view. You work with a lot more people, a lot more customers that you're, I mean, your, your clients are people who are trying to grow their business and grow their ARR. What are you seeing? What are you, what are your takeaways? So for me, um, uh, if you're a, a, a SaaS founder, if you're in a startup or a scale up, what's important to know is that um, investors, uh, VCPEs, uh, still have a lot of money to spend. They've raised their funds and they're deploying these funds with a little bit more time, uh, which suits the market. On the one side, the, the due diligence 
is taking longer. Last year, they were not uh, doing any due diligence because uh, it was the race to who is blindly betting on the, on, the, on the new project, which honestly is not sustainable. Now they're taking the time to look at the metrics. What are your key metrics when you're uh, at a seed round? What are your key metrics when you're preparing an, uh, a series A, a series B? It takes much more time. And as well, as you could uh, say that the, valu the valuations are down, meaning that the founders are not for the moment willing to, uh, to get funding at a certain uh, rate. But yes, the industry in itself is still growing. SaaS uh, marketplaces, you know, overall B2B recurring revenue is a microclimate that is still going to grow and to accelerate over the years to come. The gaps will be more important between those who can sell in the in gale force wind, I would say, and those who uh, are stuck. Yeah, I think I think the the notion I got was that there was a flight to quality, so as and flight to early. So they're looking for more early stage, more Series A, eventually Series B, um, but they're also looking for quality. Um, and so that's going to slow everything down. Um, and it, it's a really interesting time. But I saw every investor I talked with there uh, was said, I said, you know, what do you focus on? And everyone, of course, it was a B2B show. But I said, do you do any B2C? And everyone's like, no, B2B, um, SaaS. Uh, that's our focus. And there were, I mean, there wasn't anybody walking around with a sad look on their face or, or depressed or anything like that. They were still... Uh, there was as much energy as ever. Um, so it's really interesting. Um, I think the other thing uh, that I noticed uh, about the industry is, uh, I think, in a way, uh, and we'll, is that the, the talking with a lot of people is that I, I understood that the financials, providing the financial metrics is increasingly important they really want to be sure that your numbers and your KPIs are right before they yeah. invest. Have you seen anything like that? Completely, completely. Now is the time where uh, um, um, you know, in, uh, teams, founders, investors are aligning on more sustainable metrics. And that's a great thing to, to see. Um, the way I would um, summarize this is if you're not looking to acquire the best customers for, for your long-term growth, you're going to have difficulties with your market. You're going to have difficulties with your investors. So look into now what is sustainable growth at a micro level. It is trying to acquire and develop on the longer term your best customers. So the notion of long-term value and how can you bring uh, uh, the full potential of, of, of a customer through repeat, uh, repeat business and uh, demonstrated impact is really the focus uh, uh, of any go-to-market team, but as well any chief revenue officer, any chief financial officer, and the, and the, board, uh, and the boardroom. Yeah. So it's a really good alignment on what we can call sustainable growth which uh, Jacko uh, in an internal meeting uh, uh, yesterday was uh, reminding that uh, it was a notion we introduced uh, as early as Sastock 2019, I think. Yeah, I, it's funny. I, 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 what, what you guys, when I learned what you guys were talking about last year, it, it, it struck me as 
like so many things, just the common sense. Um, it so obvious, but uh, I had never heard of the concept, and I uh, and I, I think a lot of people, even even this time, I was talking. I actually stole some of your language and was talking about this uh, at at Talk, and a lot of people were like, "Yeah, that makes sense." I mean, um, one of the things I mentioned is when you start with product design, have have an idea on on product design so that on the back end there's a way to upsell and cross sell and so that once you engage those customers that 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 funnel is always widening it out on the back end but i don't want to steal too much of what you talk about today so i'll <laughs> stop there um max could you could you give us a before i think i did a bit of a disservice real quickly everybody who just joined my name is Stephen lurie this is b2b rocks uh live stream and we're with max pandevon of winning by design um, Max, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you came to be managing director at Winning by Design, a little bit of your past, and uh, and maybe tell us a little bit about Winning by Design. Yeah, perfect. And it's a good intro to my link with B2B Rocks and how I came to to, to work for Winning by Design. So my name is Max Pandevoin. I've lived uh, uh, six years in Australia, four years in Dublin. I've been back to Paris for, th for, uh, for three years. And um, I was previously a freelancer freelancer helping French startups uh, with their uh, strategic processes, uh, mostly marketing and, uh, and sales processes. And I had a book uh, uh, with me uh, that I use all the time to actually uh, uh, work with those companies. And this book was um, uh, Blueprints for a SaaS Sales Organization, which uh, uh, was, uh, was, um, was written by uh, Jaco van der Kooy. And that's how I came about Winning by Design. In September 2019, I was at B2B Rocks uh, in Station F, and I uh, went to uh, a speaker note from Andy Farkasson uh, from Winning by Design. And at, after uh, his session, I went to him and I said, "Love the 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 book. It changed my life. I'm a, I'm a freelancer thanks to to you guys." And by the way, Jacko is bold, you're bold, I'm bold. If you need someone uh, to, to launch France, I'm your man. And a few months later, I was uh, January 2020, I was launching the subsidiary of uh, Winning by Design France, and I, uh, I haven't stopped uh, since. So uh, thanks to B2B Rocks for making that connection happen. Again, a face-to-face -face human connection that started a fantastic adventure. Yeah, it, it, it's funny. That's, that's a great story. Um, uh, and where, where was Winning by Design? Where were they founded or how did they start? So it was founded. It, it's, uh, it's a Dutch uh, uh, founded um, uh, venture. Uh, Jacko is, uh, is Dutch, even if he is, 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 uh, lived in, uh, in California for 20 years. Dominic Levin, our, our, our fierceful CEO, is, uh, is Dutch. And uh, it is mainly operating uh, in US and, uh, and Europe. Uh, and it's been doing so for the past seven or eight years. And now we are uh, 140 um, experts, managing directors, uh, trainers, coach across the globe. And uh, we've worked with, uh, I'd say, um, uh, maybe 800,000 uh, companies only in B2B recurring revenue, which makes us probably uh, a little bit uh, different from uh, the, the classic management consulting companies like uh, you know, uh, McKinsey, BCG, uh, uh, and so on. And we go much further down into you know, implementation. Once we have done our go-to-market diagnosis, once we have uh, redesigned the strategic processes, we go into implementation in the CRM, in the team, and we're here for the long-term change which uh, uh, will uh, only stop when we see behavioral change with 
the uh, SDRs, AEs, CSMs, sales managers, uh, and C impact. So we apply our own principles, which is all around uh, measured, demonstrated impact of any um, product. What, 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 as an organization, when do you, when can you guys have the most impact? When should, when do you normally engage with companies, and when, when does it have the most impact for them? Uh, it's a very good question because there's two ways of of seeing this. What I, how I, um, um, you know, um, summarize um, uh, how we worked with startups and scale-ups is that we are a little bit the Robin Hood of, 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 of tech, as in we give a lot to startups and then uh, we, we, we set big missions and big goals, big goals with startups. So where we have the most impact is really post-Series B, when it's an urge to switch from the star culture to the process-driven culture, when there's an urge to know what what works, what scales well, and there's a, a, an urge as well to have a, a science-based approach to the full funnel. And when I say the full funnel, I need to introduce the uh, the bow tie, which is you know uh, the classic funnel uh, flipped on its side. So uh, I'm going to draw this here. Uh, you've got the classic funnel of acquisition. So awareness, education, selection. But we say that in B2B recurring revenue, uh, it's only half of the story. Because once you have committed on a uh, journey, you have the onboarding, uh, the usage, and then the expansion. And obviously, for B2B recurring revenue, this is this right side of the bow tie that is important and showing impact of uh, your solution is really what is going to uh, guarantee your recurring revenue. Yeah, I think I, I just hold on just from an investor standpoint, too, because you wrote I over there, over there, too. I mean, it, what you realize is that uh, you, you, you if you're investing in a company and their funnel is executing, they're getting people to make decisions and buy in, and then they're expanding out there. You've invested in a war machine. I mean, they've got great processes and they understood uh, how to put their customer first and they're delivering and people are seeing that enough so that they trust them to let them expand the account outwards. So I, I think that's, uh, and I, I, I think, um, this is always, I mean, for for our industry, this is uh, this is the end goal. I mean, this is this is really a strong thing. But I think, I think increasingly, given the headwinds we've been seeing right now, and this is one of the things I did see at Sestock, which was everybody was focused on acquisition, like how do we go get more leads? I didn't hear anyone talking about the back end of the funnel. People were talking about onboarding but not really about like expansion and what that means as a company. So um... I've got a, I've got an advice on this yeah. um, and it, it works for startups. It works for scale-ups uh, uh, where, and we, we really love to um, uh, open, open our content or books or videos or blueprints for startups to get those principled early in their organization. Uh, sometimes you know they don't need the 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 the, uh, the lengthy playbooks because they are a two-man band or, or or just five or ten people. But applying the, the 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 principle of impact customer first is very important. So I would um, I would um, I would ask uh, our audience to do one thing: just revisit your existing customers. You may have five, ten, 
50 uh, uh, customers, go back to them and with the change in weather conditions, ask the same question. Okay, why did you buy us? And for what impact did you buy us in the first place? And why are you still paying us every month or every year? And for which demonstrated impact do you, do you still buy us? This is the changing uh, uh, you know, data, granular feedback that you constantly want to survey your existing customers with in order to be able to you know, uh, update what impact means uh, to your customers and be able to attract new lookalike customers in acquisition. So not only you are uh, checking the health of your relationship with your customer, which is less based on your know, satisfaction, are you happy or not, but do I have a demonstrated impact of my solution? Uh, you can therefore you know, make sure that you're, you have a, 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 a long-term relationship that can expand. And as well, you're ready to tell the story of existing impact to other people who might have the same situation pain and willingness to impact uh, their business with your solution. So I'd say when, when, uh, when, uh, when the crisis hit, yes, focusing more on your customers and why they're buying you is the really first very, very good uh, reflex that uh, can feed marketing, can feed sales and obviously customer success. Yeah. Um, we, one of the things I was talking with a founder there about, um, we were talking about the dangers of uh, chasing revenue at the cost of customer fit. Yeah. Um, and so you can go sign someone and get a deal uh, and have a bad customer fit and they don't see impact. Uh, and so do you see that? Is that a common theme that you see? Um, not with our sales methodology, not, not with our principles, because right. uh, we are basically a machine to for the salespeople to forget the product and to qualify based on a customer centricity. So uh, if uh, we, we, we teach them how to sell what is at stake, mm -hmm. how to sell what is most important for the, 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 the customer, the business, their situation, and not talk about the product before there's a fit in terms of uh, are you, do you have an urgency to solve this problem? Do you have an urgency to uh, uh, have this impact? And then talk about features linked to this impact. So yes, uh, in, in, in theory, you could, you could have less and less uh, people selling based on uh, other methods than just a full customer centricity, which is the way to have a long-term business flowing and being profitable. I think... Um... I think I think when I guess I, I was maybe thinking of companies that were a little earlier on on the processes side. If by the time you get to Series B, you probably figured out your ICP and you're starting oh, to have yeah. pretty pretty good success. And Definitely. How do you, so so what you know the companies you work with. What are you know we we talk about causes of success, but also we talk about correlations. What do you see uh, companies that get to Series B and raise a good round? When I say good mount, I mean a good valuation from significant investors who are known investors who have their own brand. What what are the correlations you see of those companies? What are those companies getting right? I mean, what what are the like the checks check boxes? Um, 
One key thing um, uh, you need to have in uh, uh, when you're when you've raised the Series B is your go-to market fit. So it means that uh, you need to have a demonstrated uh, uh, data-driven way of showing that there's a scale happening at least with one segment. Mm-hmm. And um, um, uh, investors can see that from uh, your sales process, uh, your, um, your, your ICP, uh, your uh, rate of churn, your long-term value, uh, from a unit, uh, unit economics perspective, you are attracting the right customers. They're happy. They're seeing impact. And this lasts for uh, uh, a, a healthy number of quarters. What um, uh, you know, Series B uh, startups need to uh, get even better is how not to spread themselves too thin with too many objectives. And that's where, you know, sometimes investors can be a little bit schizophrenic because they are asking all at the same time. They're asking that a first go-to-market fit be super proven, super data-driven and uh, and super square. And at the mo- and at the same time, they want to test the potential for interna- internationalization beyond Europe, uh, in the US. Uh, 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 what about the PLG uh, motion? What about the enterprise motion? And that's where usually we come in and we uh, calm down, uh, you know, the, 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 the too many ambitions to say, okay, if you spread yourself too thin across too many territories, too many battles, you will not be able to raise another fund. And this will be bad for your investors, existing and future. So uh, uh, usually my question to a Series A uh, startup uh, and Series B uh, uh, young startup is, okay, how many ACVs, annual contract values, do you have? Are they very, very different? And how many segments and markets are you working on? And if I have uh, an answer which have too many multiples, that's not a good sign, and they need to refocus. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I, we talk about product, product roadmap, and one of the things I was mentioning to the founder that I was speaking with, and we were talking about product roadmap, and I was saying bad customers, if you... If you're trying to reach someone who's maybe not a great fit for your company, sometimes what they'll do, and this happens often if it's like a big unicorn company, which is they'll ask you to change your product roadmap. And if you start doing that too often and then you don't close those deals, you confuse your engineering team and you hurt morale and and you spread yourself out too much. But it's kind of the same thing with investors, which is investors can say, hey, you need to do this, you need to do that. So you have your product roadmap, and these, these shouldn't be things you should do. No, these are, should be things that you've committed to doing. Um, and same thing with, I guess, more and more listening to you, I'm thinking like, we need an investor roadmap and need to say, hey, okay, we hear you, but that's for Q2 or that's for Q3. We're not going to go do that right now because we're focused yeah. on these things. Uh, yeah. So I guess, I guess just provide an investor roadmap and say, this is what we're going to do and when and why. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. Go and ahead. I, no, and, and, and I must say, uh, more and more education is 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 coming to uh, to this to the B two B recurring review space to the SaaS space to uh, to the to the to the fintech and and marketplaces. So, uh, investors, uh, uh, you know, founders, startup teams uh, are starting to get uh, uh, really educated on what metrics are, are are important. They, I think, were lacking a little bit more of enablement 
on uh, the, 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 the right side of the bow tie. So, uh, you know, we talk a lot about sales methodologies uh, 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 and, and there's, there's, a, there's a lot of, uh, you know, um, share of voice uh, for acquisition. But what we have seen is that the right side of the bow tie, you know, when uh, the deal is done and when you still need to bring, you know, recurring impact, month over month, quarter over quarter, there's much less methodologies. And so what we've done in the recent weeks is open uh, uh, our, 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 our IP, uh, put to every startup uh, uh, on the marketplace the possibility to download very, very specific blueprints for onboarding, usage, expansion, adding a layer of very strong concepts such as, you know, impact, critical events, uh, um, and, uh, and, and, uh, and other elements that help the team speak the same language. And that's probably what's most important, that if you've got customer success in mind from day one, you're able to speak and to have processes that actually reflect this on a day-to-day basis. So uh, that's the, the, you know, the customer success operating model that uh, uh, we have uh, downloaded uh, uh, to everyone. Uh, maybe we can share um, a, a link um, to, uh, to this. It's, it's on our website if you, if you want to, to do this. Um, you let me, let are me, going to... Let, yeah. me, let me bring you in here so you can share. You can share from your desktop and we should be able to see what you're showing from your desktop. Oh, no, I think... So, no, I don't want to get into the details uh, okay. because uh, otherwise I get, I get sidetracked and I spend too much time. But people can, can ask me for one-on-one sessions on that. The, 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 the overall uh, message is that uh, um, the customer success team have been suffering from a lack of methodologies and as well uh, uh, not being recognized as the true revenue uh, bringers of a recurring uh, uh, business. So now uh, we've got the possibility to have a proactive customer success and account management team who actually uh, you know, do uh, the right uh, things to um, uh, measure impact, celebrate impact, and have really, really specific blueprints uh, to help the, the team getting getting educated and uh, uh, you know, write uh, the right processes uh, for that. So I'm super proud of uh, of that effort. It's been uh, it's been a long journey to to get to that uh, level of clarity in the slides, level of, uh, of of efficiency. You know, hundreds of projects are behind uh, what's been released, and uh, at least from the U.S. perspective because the crisis is probably more felt over there. It was an overwhelming uh, uh, positive uh, you know, reception of, of, this, uh, of, this, uh, of this open source content. So very proud of Winning by Design on this. The, the website again, I, I put the website up there. It's the science of revenue. Yeah, there's, a, there's also the winningbydesign.com uh, website. Yeah, they're both, um, they're both up here in the chat. So, um, I, I've spent a considerable amount of time in both places. Um, you know, just I'm, I'm kind of curious because you work with companies. Do you ever work? I, I would be interested to see if investors ever ask you to look at people's uh, companies and, and their products and say that there is no back end fit. There is no way of expanding out the revenue. Do you ever look at a company and say, 
as far as their product goes, there's not much expansion they can do. There's not much upsell or cross-selling. There's nowhere to go from here. Um, is that the case or can nearly anybody find a way to, to, to grow their, their product? And I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, very rare. Very rarely do you see. So we, we, we tend to, 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 to have, uh, you know, our consultants, our trainers deployed on, on scale-ups and usually they're, uh, they're, they're way past product market fit. They have proven one or two go-to-market uh, uh, and uh, and are scaling those, and usually yes, there are multiple ways to um, to expand uh, the relationship. Either when they are you know talking to uh, an enterprise account and have you know ways to to uh, to to cross sell, uh, or yes, upsell with the constant additional uh, feature that uh, that uh, that different release can bring. So it's very rare that a company. Uh, get funded on uh, on something else than the product vision of uh, uh, the, the 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 team, uh, either founders or, or, or product team. And yes, uh, you need to have a, a long term view to uh, to get uh, to get more uh, more expansion and more and more uh, and more features out of your existing. Uh, uh, feature use out of, out of your existing customers. So it's very rare that, uh, you know, you say, okay, uh, just 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 try and acquire more customers because these will not uh, the existing will not bring a, will not bring additional uh, collaboration. I'm just wondering if, like, you know, from a from from a product fit, like, if people start uh, from day one thinking about because if you're not aware of the back end of the funnel, maybe you're not thinking about like how you're going to grow your product. You're just thinking about your initial product. Okay, here's product A, product A plus, product A plus plus that we're going to charge a little bit more for, but we're not thinking about necessarily necessarily product B or product C that may we might be able to bolt on so yeah I, I, so uh, I was um, uh, we, I was with uh, with, uh, with with my great colleague KD on Monday morning for a, a, a session with startups uh, you know mostly founders 60 70 of them and uh, he planted a seed he said you're not looking for product market fit you're looking for problem market fit and always be looking for uh, 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 validating your assumptions live with someone uh, related to their problem. And he challenged them to do one thing. He said, okay, if you've got, how many in the in the room have less than five customers and a, a couple of uh, uh, hand raised and uh, uh, he told them, look, uh, find 50 uh, uh, of your potential customers uh, call them and say, I'm researching on the market. I just want to have a conversation with you uh, about a potential product. I promise you I won't sell you anything, but I want to validate with you my assumptions about the problem you're living and if it's important for you. Yeah. And do those 50 calls, you'll have 20 answers and you'll get fantastic insights on your problem market fit. Because what's important when you're a founder is that you go beyond the features, you you you, you go beyond your technicalities, to uh, be ready to uh, see if uh, uh, the problem you're solving is important, important at a certain stage, important for, for a certain type of customers, and be uh, from the get-go customer-centric. Yeah, I think I think the key is right now also important enough. 
I mean, a little bit like my, my cell phone, my mobile phone, you know, I can only have so many applications that I'm going to use on a given day on my phone. And I think yeah. there's, there's a concept also of like SaaS overload. So what are you doing? Are you doing something that's important enough that you're going to be or, or is as discreet on the background that it's not going to take it, it's going to make my life better without taking up any more of my time. So that's a really interesting concept. What did, um, uh, what did you take away? What were your big takeaways from SaaS stock? Uh, what, what were some of the things you learned there? I mean, I think these, for me, that what I like about these is I always get new ideas. And so yep. what, some, what were some ideas that you picked up on and some things that got you in, excited and, and make you feel young again? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, from a pure human perspective, I was uh, really, really inspired with uh, uh, people recognizing, uh, uh, you know, winning by design and saying, oh, my God, guys, you, you, you're helping us so much. And uh, that was pure, you know, selfish energy and positive energy. Uh, and I'm very proud of, of, of how we've seen uh, the, 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 you know, the startup, uh, the startup scene for so long. And it's, 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 it's really, uh, really good to, uh, to, to, to have a, a live recognition of, 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 uh, of, of this day-to-day -day work. Uh, the second thing is that when I, so it, it was a great reset for Sastock. Uh, I think uh, next year is going to be even better because people are getting uh, reused to, you know, meeting and and and, and preparing, uh, uh, you know, what's next and so on. What I'm going to 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 say is that uh, when I compare um, uh, Sifted London a, a couple of weeks ago to Sastock, it was very interesting to see that the, uh, the the positive energy was much more in Dublin. Uh, you know the 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 willingness to drive uh, the 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 entrepreneurship was very much in Dublin. London was a little bit more uh, or a lot more doom and gloom. But I must recognize that in terms of thought leadership, uh, uh, in safety, I could see a second day much more into sustainability, um, much more into. Um, uh, financial in, su sustainability or? no 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 you know green green, green. So, okay. uh, yes 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 uh, you know inclusivity uh, female founders um, uh, and it was very inspiring to see uh, you know a second day where you didn't have your classic you know uh, white male uh, founders on stage we had a little bit of this in Sastock on stage with the two founders of uh, of Chili Piper, uh, who gave a keynote speech, which was very vulnerable, very uh, centered around what is important for uh, your team, your company. They had raised thirty million and said to their investors, "We are giving one million uh, on on a foundation to uh, combat uh, you know uh, violence," and uh, and that was just before the war in Ukraine uh, uh, broke up. So. I'm wishing for um, uh, you know uh, the 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 SaaS, uh, the SaaS industry to to grow more into what really matters because uh, next to the digital transformation is a much bigger transformation about sustainable and sustainability. The fastest growing scale-ups and startups in uh, Europe are now green tech, yeah. and it's not going to go away. So uh, I'm I'm wishing for this transition to be even more uh, pregnant for next year. Yeah, that's great. Um, I, you know, I think it, the, the great thing is, is that SaaS and, and underlying SaaS, we have subscription like business model yeah. and the subscription business model 
fits perfectly with kind of the re reoccurring reuse reduction business model, the circular, the circular business models. And there, um, I know that, uh, as far as energy startups, like the two of the hottest sectors are like security and energy. Um, and there's, uh, you know, I, I came from an IOT background, SAS background, and there's so much to be done as far as energy and water with IOT and how we can use data. And, I think we're all, I, I think we all feel like you, even, you know, what, whatever we believe in, I think no one can argue that it's better to do more with less. Um, exactly. and, and that's, that's, uh, that's something that we should all be working on. That's, that's good to hear. Um, yeah, and I, I'm just going to take two minutes to show what exactly the transformation we're going through. Um, uh, um, uh, uh, I've got a friend who, uh, you know, did his, um, um, you know, uh, echo awakening. He's the, he's the CEO of, of a, uh, fire extinguisher company. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, he's done uh, his, um, uh, you know, Fresh du Climat uh, and, 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 and workshops, but now he's transforming his business from selling fire extinguisher to fire extinguisher as a service. So all of a sudden, you've got something that is the monthly subscription SaaS logic applied to real world. He was selling stuff before and now and and pushed to be replacing those as quickly as possible. Now he's telling his team of salespeople how to completely change their mindset to be customer centric about the monthly subscription. And he owns the fire and signature. And now he's much more into a sustainable path. So I hope that people can understand now that this is going to be the case for every industry everywhere. And yes, the monthly subscription uh, uh, mindset is going to invade the world the, the, the way software has eaten the world. Yeah, let me let me just call that out. Uh, we did a webinar last week with Bill Work, which is a big uh, subscription management company. And we were talking about this and how, and this is really interesting because the subscription model, of course it started with magazines, but then in technology, this got going in technology in maybe late 1990s since it's spread out from there. And it's spreading into the four corners of the world economy. And every Fortune 500 or Cat 40 company around the world now is looking about how can we get subscription revenue? What's exciting about that is, yeah, okay, they're gonna make more money. But also, for example, if you think about a single car, if you have three people using a single car, that's a much better use of resources. Absolutely. So, so, so it's more profitable for companies. It's fewer resources. Um, and uh, it, it just makes a heck of a lot of sense throughout uh, these things. And, and these are things that we're all concerned about. Um, I really want to applaud also Chili Piper for giving one million of, of the 30 million investment. That takes a lot of courage. Uh, to sit on your values like that, so bravo. They're uh, they're, they're they're driven, so it's it's fantastic. And, f- and 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 as far as I'm concerned, I'll have unlimited time for uh, anybody who really wants to transform the business from a business model perspective. Uh, I'm uh, people were asking me, Max, how can I help you? I said, help me focus on the green tech more. If you heard if you've heard of a scale up in green tech who has some you know, uh, growth issues and, and growth pains with their sales team, this, their, 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 their customer success team, uh, send them to me because uh, the more we focus on the right uh, businesses, the better it's going to be. 
Yeah, I think I think I, I, I second everything you've said there, uh, but I'd also add edutech. I yep. think I think education is a market that's ripe for disruption, just yep. so that everyone knows what's happening in the United States. Uh, a lot of people in the United States are predicting the end of universities, at least yep. the model we know currently, where we pay you know yep. a, a lot of money to go to schools. One, it's just not sustainable. People mm -hmm. really don't want to acquire two hundred thousand in debt to start their yep. lives. Yep. And then the other thing is that we think that there should be more open courseware. And, yeah. and many institutions like Harvard, Stanford, University of California, Berkeley are putting open courseware up there. Um, and so education is something we need. I mean, I think education is fundamentally linked to uh, equality. It's linked to democracy. It's linked to uh, developing our economies better. Uh, it's linked to developing human potential better. So uh, and even the motivation models we have for education, which is learn or we'll beat you um we can do better than that so i think that's um that's a great thing um you know one of the things uh and i'd like your perspective on this so i've been around tech now pretty much my whole adult life and i went through the dot-com bust in the night what was it like 2002 maybe yeah, i think it was <laughs> something like that i can't even remember now uh, maybe yeah, something right out okay a long time ago i think one of the things i'm impressed by and uh, i think is the sophistication of our ecosystem, how sophisticated you were talking about investors and people that are starting their businesses, um, people's business models and their their savvy is much further. But I think on the other hand, I think like thanks to people like you with the science of revenue, I think the sophistication, the bar is getting raised every day. Um, any thoughts on that or? Um, so. Now, what I'm mostly impressed with is uh, uh, how uh, product-led growth, so small companies with two, three, four, five people can actually build a business, a sustainable business, whether through, uh, you know, those, 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 those darker or, let's say, gale force wind with only a couple of people operating. Um, there was uh, in Sastock uh, a listing of 200 companies uh, who have, um, you know, the, the, the biggest revenue per employee. And yes, there are two, three, four, five, 10, 15 people companies growing very, very fast because the the software, their product is doing the sales and the marketing based on client satisfaction, based on word of mouth. And uh, every business can think of, uh, of, of how this is useful for natural growth and organic growth. So very impressed with this. Yeah, that's funny. I, I, I was I had I spoke with two different founders and both of them had no salespeople. And uh, they weren't doing anything outbound whatsoever. Everything was inbound. Everything was driven by content and product. Um, and so they were talking about the problems they solved and, and, and basically how their product worked. And, um, and oh, no salespeople. The, 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 the concept of selling didn't even exist in their organization. I mean, basically, they, they, they checked you for fit. If you fit, then they did a demo um and everything left from there and i thought about that and it's how great and, it, and it's kind of funny because when you go to sales school they tell you uh the first thing they tell you at sales school they say it in a lot of different ways but they teach you they tell you don't sell listen 
Yeah. Uh, and and yet most I I've listened to sales pitches over the last five years from a lot of senior salespeople who are still just straight ahead selling, pitching, and and not doing enough listening. So it's it's quite interesting. Um, yeah. So the product led part. Okay, keep going. I'm sorry. Oh, and just just on just on listening or or or, or selling. Uh, each time I hear selling, uh, I'm replacing by helping to buy. If you are helping your prospect to buy and taking a step back into, okay, why do you need this type of solution? And you include your solution into a larger bucket of uh, your category. All of a sudden, you are really focused on what matters for them, what is important. And yes, you're helping them buy and you have an even more uh, acute way of listening because you're not pushing your product because you're not uh, saying we are the best or we can do better. You first listen to uh, really help this person buy. And sometimes it's even better for your company because there's not a long-term fit because they're not have, they don't see what is at stake. They don't see, you know, uh, what could be done uh, with a bigger ambition to actually say, you know, there's not a fit, but you can still go there and you will have uh, what you, what you, what you are looking for. So uh, yes, in, in, in a, it's very inspiring to see younger generations, not being taught that sales is a, 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 a talk skill, but much more a listening skill. I That's why I came back to sales uh, with Winning by Design, because uh, it, it is a muscle that uh, begins with customer centricity, begins with uh, 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 techniques of listening. And the only moment where you've got ego is how do you frame the conversation? How have you done your research how do you ask a couple of close-ended questions to ask the big open-ended question on their pain and then empathize and go even further with what impact do you want to achieve? So very inspired with the younger generation, happy to learn, happy to practice and, uh, and, and, and not seeing you know, the old uh, traditional sales uh, 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 picture of uh, someone who talks way more than uh, their prospect. I think the other thing is that good salespeople, and I know we say we shouldn't use this term and here we are using it, but they, they're, they're people who exercise empathy and exercise yep. creativity. You've got to listen, like you said, listen, understand what their pain are, help help them in some cases understand their, and then find a way creatively to get them to see a vision, see an alternative future. Um, and if they, if if you're able to do that, and they're able to get excited about that alternative vision on their own and start projecting. Um, you've got a big win on your hands. Do you advise um, at all on revenue team compensation? Uh, uh, in general terms, not on specific terms, because this is uh, this is really uh, um, a specific um, you know commitment you make when you are advising on on on, on specific sales compensation. But yes, uh, we make org design. Um, uh, missions and within that org design mission we are uh, advising on uh, uh, the general compensation plans uh, plus how this is going to scale with your growth model so what we do is we define all roles very precisely 
what's the input, what's the output, what are the skills related to each role, uh, marketing role, sales roles, CSM roles, managers, how does it translate into uh, input and output for uh, the actual um, um, sales engine? And how do you plan your capacity model uh, to produce the right output? And output would be different for the marketing team. You know, it could be marketing qualified leads. It could be meetings. Same for the teams, for the sales team. It could be obviously revenue, but also sales velocity and uh, and and uh, and, and uh, conversion rate. So all of this is basically the role of the chief revenue officer to stand in front of the board and to say, okay, we've got those um, a bottom line. Um, uh, objectives that are uh, fixed by the business plan. Now my growth plan is all about people, metrics, and capacity plans, and how to get there. And yes, compensation is a big part of there because you need to uh, reward the right behavior as quickly as possible in order for your sales engine to be uh, actually in line with your long-term goals. So um, uh, it's very important to have, uh, you know, impact demonstration in mind uh, for you know the, the customer success team, but even more for the sales team. Uh, you know, a, 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 a badly qualified customer coming to uh, the, the, the funnel is not acceptable anymore because it's actually uh, uh, have very detrimental consequences on the, on the long-term value. So it's important to think of all this as a system. Go-to-market teams are composed of marketing, sales, customer success per segment. Yeah. And if you start modeling your growth per segment, per market with, you know, pods of marketing sales and customer success, then you can apply uh, all those principles and scale fast. Yeah. Um, the reason why I ask that is, you know, when you want to attract uh, talented people, you need to have a compensation model that's simple enough for them to understand and fits in their logic. So it's a question of talent acquisition. But then at the same time, like you were saying, rewarding good behavior, I think uh, there needs to be, you need to incorporate things that are a little bit on the longer uh, side. For example, a churn, um, a customer uh, satisfaction, um, you know, the, the, the fact, I, I think these other aspects. And so I was just wondering how companies are balancing. I know I've spoken with a lot of, uh, sales VPs and uh, people that work as revenue officers. And they say that compensation is one of the hardest things to model um, because like you said, you've also got to take that to the board as well. So you're, you're stuck between the board, the CEO, salespeople, short-term objectives, long-term objectives. It's, it, it seems like it's, it's quite a handful. So I was just kind of curious um, about, about what you thought. Yeah, about. I'm going to take a very, very uh, specific example. Uh, of a conversation I had with a, with a scale-up. Um, and um, the, the, the topic was a training, but um, it, it quickly derives with me pushing uh, the, the C-suite to have a vision beyond training. And I told them, look, uh, we're not selling training. Uh, you're not buying training. We are all focused on behavioral change for your sales team how to monitor and celebrate behavioral change is with certification. Certification will be a client call recorded that your rep, 
uh, you or your manager submits to uh, a peer uh, for them to check against a scorecard, very, very scientific. Have you mastered this skill? And this is the grid to check that you've mastered the skill. So now when we launch the Sales Academy, we want uh, the chief, the, the chief uh, executive officer to be launching the academy in saying, we want all of you guys to be certified with these skills in, within the next six months uh, or, or nine months, if you would want a bigger runway. And there's going to be acceleration uh, of conversation for the first who are uh, the champions of those skills. Yes, it's going to be validated with the CFO because he needs this in his business plan and, and, and growth plan. And after some, some, some time, uh, you will have uh, uh, less compensation if you're not certified with those skills. So it's a, it's, it is a commitment for 2023 for the chief commercial officer to put the right means to an end, to have skills coaching, to have, you know, the, the managers become stewards of coaching and to have, yes, the C-suite aligned with what a bigger goal it is to launch an academy with something else than just go trainings and hope for the best. Yeah, that's it's funny you mentioned that. Uh, I Just today I was, I was looking at LinkedIn and I should have noted this down, but I saw someone had come up with an AI chat bot for sales training. Yeah. Uh, and I thought, I thought, oh my gosh, that's a great idea. And if we can, we can actually put a face on that and make it someone talking in front of us. Uh, because I think, you know, I th you and I had a conversation about SDRs. Yeah. Um, and I, I mentioned that I think one of the saddest things is when you call an organization and you get an SDR, it's often one of the least experienced people at the company and they don't know much about the product, which is actually okay. Um, as long as as they know a, a lot about impact and, and and stories of existing customers of theirs, that's so. right. You got to say you got to say, hey, this is three customers that was helped, and this is how we help them. But if they're exactly. unable to even do that, then you're like, oh my gosh, why why am I even on this phone call? So, um, as an outside organization, this I'm really curious about this. Uh, one of the things I think that's challenging about working in technology. Oh, or any industry really is when you're brought in as an outside organization, we have to deal with internal politics. Yeah. And sometimes we're not wanted by everybody. Yeah. Sometimes these people are powerful. Uh, yeah. It's a little bit like Game of Thrones. It can be. Uh, I don't know if you have you had that experience and 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 any any thoughts on navigating that. Um. Yes. The way to frame this is to think of uh, emotional impact linked to the person and their job yeah. and rational impact linked to the company and, uh, you know, hard, harder metrics, ROI metrics, cost metrics, and so on. And when you're in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a complex setting where there's a lot of stakeholders, just remember that people, you know, buy in projects based on emotions first and what's in it for them and then post rationalize this so again your empathy your ability to share a vision your ability to show what's the path of best impact over time your ability to push back on um, uh, saying yes to everything 
and not having a consolidated customer success plan is your best uh, uh, is your best uh, your best friend. Where we don't cross a line is uh, um, going for specific impact linked to people. Yes, there are champions who will be promoted with the good work and so on, but we always put the company's best interest long-term first, and that's a guiding principle because otherwise you don't have a North Star and you're unable to please people for the sake of it. It's exactly like customer success. If you want a, a happy customer, you're being reactive. If you've got a demonstrated impact, you will be proactive and you will be driven. Even if there's tough conversations, I much more prefer a grumpy customer knowing that I've brought impact to, to his or her organization than someone who says, oh, I'm super happy, but nothing happened. Because otherwise you are at the mercy of if someone likes you or not, or if someone is seeing you as a threat or not. Yeah. I'm glad you um I'm glad you touched on the point the emotional thing um when and communication uh which is I think the foundation for marketing and sales and all these things the first thing they teach you is you, you, you got to think of the emotional impact of what you're communicating and 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 people buy into projects because they believe in it and because they think it's going to help advance whatever they're trying to do yeah. um and so uh, I think well, just listening to you while you're saying there, if you're talking with someone and he's reticent, you need to tell like, hey, here's some other companies where we work for. And these people in a similar role to yours, this is how they benefited. Um, yeah. And then if you can't get them aligned after that, then maybe you have a sociopath or a narcissist on your hands and, and you're just in for a, a, a long, stormy uh, relationship. But in most cases, they will come around. Or Absolutely. In, and in many cases, they'll come around. Um, is it? You know, I hope uh, I, I don't hope I, I really want to have you back on because uh, this is just a, a fashion subject. Is there anything else that uh, comes to mind that's been on top of mind for you recently that you've been thinking about quite a bit? Um, no, for me, um, it, it's a great intro session. Uh, just keep in mind that uh, we have uh, a lot of open source material. Uh, I'm happy to send, you know, a couple of books uh, via snail mail to people who want to discover either, the, you know, the SaaS sales, uh, the, the the blueprint for SaaS sales uh, organization book, and get uh, get ready to to be wowed by by uh, by uh, by a uh, fantastic uh, systemic vision of what could be uh, sales as a science, but sales in a very customer centric uh, manner. So happy to help. Uh, that's our mantra, uh, and uh, and and yes, let's uh, let's do this again. Uh, maybe a deep dive into one project, one one subject: revenue architecture, customer success, uh, the notion of uh, you know storytelling. Uh, there's many things to um, to do, and maybe Laurent uh, Aurelien uh, can uh, can be joined to to do that as well. That would be great. Just uh, I wanted to call that out. So the 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 book he mentioned is Blueprint for SaaS Sales Organization. Uh, if you do a search on the internet, you can find lots of different places to do that. Um, their website where they have the open uh, content, open source content on revenue modeling and customer success and a whole bunch of things is the science of revenue. I really suggest you spend time there. 
Uh, and of course their website uh, is winning by design. And if you go to winningbydesign.com backslash resources backslash books, uh, you can find lots of extra reading there as well. Um, it, yeah, it, uh, ideas are just uh, sharing ideas and getting ideas. I, I, I feel after this conversation, I just feel like there's not enough hours in the day I want to go read. Uh, I'll, I'll spend some time on there. I, I just want to touch on one last thing about Ireland and Dublin. Uh, I think one of the reasons why um, I'm not sure Irish history is that much is is richer than anyone else's. But um, they sure are great storytellers. <laughs> yeah, um, that's what I think. So when you when you listen to Irish and, and, and I think they're natural marketers uh, because they really they almost start everything by telling a story. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the really interesting characteristic of Irish. I think every culture, the French, you have your own uh, special characteristics. But that was my first time in Ireland. And what I came away with is, boy, I really like the energy. And gosh, they sure are great s storytellers. And uh, and I guess they have a Celtic word, a crack which is a good story or a good bit of fun. And um, and they were quite a bit of fun. I'll be interested to see what happens uh, at the next SAS talk, how the energy is. Thank you for your thoughts on what happened at Sifted and the difference uh, between those shows. And uh, we're, we'll definitely be having you back on and, and uh, Aurelian as well. Uh, and thank you so much. Pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot, Steve. Okay, bye-bye. Cheers. Cheers. Um... So, super interesting guy, uh, really, really interesting guy to talk with. Um, that's, that's, I think uh, that's what I love most about our industry. I think the things I love uh, most about our interest, industry are the people, uh, the people you get to meet and share ideas with and the ideas that that spurs. I mean, I, 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 it's rare that I leave a conversation with someone at, who works anywhere in this industry without learning something new, and that's really great. Um, uh, Max, of course, is especially, uh, you know, because he's because of experience, especially so, uh, so really good. Um, just so you uh, come back here really quickly, I just wanted to show you there a little bit. So here's uh, what we were talking about, about the butterfly funnel. So awareness, education, selection. And you can see that they have content uh about this uh, all the way through how to educate uh and these are things that uh so many SaaSes struggle with especially if you know it's rare that as a company you start and you have your founders and everybody on your team you have all the different skill sets uh that you might need so just really interesting stuff and then um uh of course, they have their blog. There's tons of information on their blog. And then, of course, they've also open sourced all this information as well. Um, but this is key reading. Um, this is key reading for anybody that works in our industry, and they need to be familiar with these concepts. Um, because you're investors now. Uh, the more that you understand this nomenclature, the more that you understand these confidence or, or these, these different areas, um, the more confident you're going to make your investors. Uh, and, um, you know, I think it's, it's funny. Uh, when I first started out, I, I said, Oh, I wanted a, a CEO with sales and then marketing. And now I think CEOs have to wear, uh, and founders have to wear so many hats and be good at so many things. So just keep that in mind. Like these resources, 
on that note, um, uh, there's a lot of resources, open content resources as well on security. Um, and if you are building a SaaS and you plan to go international and you plan to go big, you want to, you know, you want to be one of those companies with 10 million ARR or 100 million ARR or like Twilio, close to a billion ARR. Um, you need to be thinking about security from day one. You don't need to have, you don't need to have it all baked in, but you need to be aware of the big issues with this. Um, and so you need to be modeling your revenue. You need to be modeling security. Um, otherwise, you're, you're. I mean, if you're not modeling your revenue, if you're not finding customer fit early on, if you're not finding product fit, if you're not really hitting impact early on. Um, you're going to pollute your sales funnel. You're going to pollute your business. Um, you're going to create distaste uh, in your customers' mouths. Uh, and as they leave you, uh, they will poison the well. Uh, so just keep these thoughts in mind. Uh, well, listen, uh, thank you very much. I'm going to let you go for today. Um, really interesting guy. Uh, next week, uh, we have our guest for Thursday of next week. Uh, it is Dennis Potemkin. Uh, and Dennis Potemkin is a founder from Italy. Uh, and we're going to talk something really interesting uh, about conditions and terms. Not a very sexy subject, uh, but there's actually a lot there. Um, so we're going to be talking about Tennis Tenkempton on Thursday. We don't yet have our invitee for um, Tuesday, uh, but we'll work on that. But we'll see you on Tuesday, and we promise we will have you something. We'll have something interest there, interesting to talk about on Tuesday, and an interesting guest for you on Tuesday.